أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وبعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته everybody here uh, brothers and sisters at home uh, welcome to another session of the uh, explanation of the Burda of Imam al-Busayri uh, where we go through uh, the poem in praise of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam verse by verse and we elucidate its meanings and try to understand a little bit about what Imam Busayri uh, is trying to describe or how he's trying to describe the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we currently find ourselves in chapter 3 uh, of this poem uh, sort of midway through chapter 3 we've already started it uh, and we've gone through amazing verses where Imam Busayri in this particular part of the poem has begun to describe the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he's actually taken him by name uh, and calling uh, him by uh, what he is uh, he is called Muhammadun Sayyidul Kawnaini wa Thaqalaini wa Al-Fariqaini min Urbin wa min Ajami verse number 34 we took that or we finally heard the name of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam after a long while of waiting uh, and hearing and listening of this uh, beloved that he loves uh, we finally get to hear the name uh, of that beloved and then some uh, sort of uh, uh, descriptions and explanations uh, of his maqam, his status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, the love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for him, who will habibu alladhi turja shafa'atuhu li kulli hawlin min al-ahwali, muqtahami, and so on and so forth. And there were many other verses that we uh, we took um, in that regard. Uh, inshallah, we find ourselves in verse number 43 uh, to pick up from where we left off from. Uh, where uh, Imam al-Busayri, uh, rahimahullah, uh, he says دَعْمَ الدَّعَتْهُ النَّصَارَ فِي نَبِيِّهِمِ وَحْكُمْ بِمَا شِئْتَ مَدْحًا فِيهِ وَحْتَكِمِ So in the midst of all of this uh, sort of praise and uh, aggrandizement of the Prophet ﷺ, the show of affection and love, um, one can sometimes uh, potentially go overboard. And... Uh, in the aggrandizement of Isa salam, we know that the Christians they went overboard and they made Isa salam not only a prophet and messenger but rather a God incarnate that was sent down to this earth uh, or part of God right so part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was sent down in Isa salam. so they'll say things like uh, Al-Masih ibn Allah right that the uh, the Christ is the son of Allah and they would say things like, "Inna Allah thalithu thalatha." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is one of three, the second of which is the Holy Spirit, and the third of which is uh, Al Masih ibn Maryam. Right. So all of these things uh, they have said, and obviously the Jews uh, also uh, claim that as well. Uzair ibn Allah, uh, as is mentioned in the Quran as well. Waqarat al Yahudu, Uzair ibn Allah. Even though they were few uh, in number that used to actually believe this, um, or fewer than uh, the Christians themselves, but in terms of Christianity, that became a proper doctrine, like a standardized doctrine. And you see that for yourselves, like everywhere you go, you don't pass a church except you see um, uh, the Christ on a cross, and uh, they are aggrandizing and worshiping um, uh, that man who was sent as a prophet and messenger. So here Imam Busaydi is saying, Leave off, avoid what Christians have claimed about their own messenger. وَحْكُمْ بِمَا شِئْتَ مَدْحًا فِيهِ وَحْتَكِمِ And give to him, يعني of the Prophet ﷺ, any praise you wish and praise sensibly. وَحْتَكِمِ يعني be like, you know, uh, praise him, praise him correctly, praise him right. Praise him with what he deserves to be praised with. Don't, don't praise him too little, right? And don't praise him in, uh, uh, to the point where he becomes uh, a God that is in partnership with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or God himself incarnate. Um, so uh, here Imam Busaydi is basically setting the bar. 
Don't go into the realms of uluhiyah. Don't go into the, the realms of uh, godly characteristics. The characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, anything that is ascribed to Allah or associated uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't ascribe that to the Prophet Anything other than that though, is good. Alhamdulillah, go for it. So he's setting the bar for us, right? What is the, uh, what is the, uh, the limit uh, in which we can go to? Now the detractors of Imam Abu Sayyidi and the people who don't really agree with the Burda very much and dislike it, uh, being nice there, uh, they have a problem with this verse. They're saying that Imam Abu Sayyidi is basically saying here that you're allowed to praise the Prophet ﷺ with any praise you like. And if you allow someone to praise the Prophet ﷺ with any praise that you like, you are going to encourage them to go into what we call al-ghulu. Yeah, al-ghulu. Ghulu meaning going over the, uh, beyond the limits, right? There's a limit that you should be uh, keeping to, and you go over over that limit. That is ghulu, right? And it's all taken from the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu and which is the same hadith that Imam Busayr uses for this very verse, actually. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says, "La kama uh, uh, that do not um, uh, aggrandize me, do not go overboard, do not go in excess with regards to me, as the uh, Christians had gone in excess of uh, Jesus, uh, the son of Mary, right? Uh, rather, I am a servant, so say, the servant of Allah and his messenger. That's the words of the Prophet So they use this hadith and they say that Imam Musayri, what he's saying is contrary to this hadith. Because the Prophet ﷺ is saying, call me Abdullah and his messenger. Right? No more, no less. This is what you should be calling me. Right? And here Imam Musayri is saying, praise him with whatever you want to praise him with. So is there a contradiction between the statement of Imam Musayri and the statement of Rasulullah ﷺ? Absolutely not. This, that, that very hadith is what Imam Musayri has used for this particular verse. Because when the Prophet says لا تطروني كما أطرت النصارى عيسى بن مريم that do not uh, go in excess of me like Isa, like the Christians did with Isa عليه السلام دعم دعته النصارى في نبيهم that is exactly what Imam Busaydi is saying when he's saying avoid what the Christians have claimed with regards to their their own messenger right so don't do what they have done بل قولوا عبد الله ورسوله and this is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he says say I'm I'm a servant so say the servant of Allah and his messenger we know that the Prophet ﷺ is the most humblest of mankind, right? He's not going to say, بَلْ قُولُوا خَيْرُ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ I don't say like, you know, وَنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said these very, very words, that He is the best of creation in terms of that, of, uh, of His manners, right? وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى Right? That He does not speak of His own desires. Rather, everything that He says is revelation. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praising him uh, in terms of his. Uh, right? Has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not purified his, his chest, his heart from all ailments, from all diseases, from all sicknesses, from all hasad and jealousy and enmity and hatred and all the other negatives of the uh, negative facets of the human character. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purified him from all of these things. This is Allah azza wa jalla praising him. Inna Allah Right? This is all praise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it is a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we should praise him and aggrandize him. That we should praise him and aggrandize him. 
returns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but to uh, uh, that's for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meaning to respect and to aggrandize and to lift up to a lofty status that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering us to do with regards to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so if you were to ask now if I was to ask any one of you now describe for me the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's courage Tell me in words the courage of the Prophet and you start to say he was the most courageous man. Uh, no amount of numbers on the battlefield would ever uh, sway him from uh, from facing his enemy. Uh, he, was huh? he, was he is fearless and all, all, all sorts, right? Hadith anhu ala haraj. Speak as much as you want, even after you have spoken for hours on end. Can someone turn around and say you have described the courage of the Prophet with what is enough? Is what is exact you have there's nothing left to say of the courage of the Prophet no tell me about his salah and his ibadah describe to me his salah and ibadah in words after you have described his ibadah are we going to say that yep that is enough what you have described is is perfect no never why because the reality of the Prophet is something that can't be described in words we have tried many times, and this is Imam Busaidi's attempt at doing so, but even still, his attempt is still flawed. Why? Because it is the statements of mankind. It is the statement of someone who is, in, uh, someone who is fallible, someone who is uh, open to mistakes. Whereas it's not from someone who is infallible and someone who receives revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that can't make a mistake when they speak. And that is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? And the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think it was Ibn al-Farid. Um, I can't remember the actual uh, person who said the, the verses But there are some other p- verses of poetry uh, With regards to praising the Prophet uh, It goes something like this It goes um, I see that every praise in the Prophet Falls short of the mark Is not enough Even if uh, the one who is praising he exaggerates and he speaks for hours on end. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised the Prophet with words that are just, with words that equal the maqam of the Prophet. So if anyone else from the creation of Allah tries to come with anything else other than what Allah has come with, he's always going to fall short of the mark. Right? There's a terrible translation, but <laughs> it's there in the end. But you get the meaning, right? You get the drift. And even the Sahaba, when it came to the, uh, I think we've uh, said this before as well, when it came to the tahajjud of the Prophet don't ask me about its length and about its beauty. I can't describe it to you. Amr ibn al-As, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he would say that I can't describe to you the Prophet because I never saw him properly because of the amount of respect and awe that I had for the Prophet I was not able to look at him full-faced mm-hmm. right? and this is a man who's seen the Prophet he's fought in battles against the Prophet you're telling me he hasn't seen him properly? no, he has seen him properly but it's just that he can't come to terms with describing the Prophet in words right? And there are many, many other companions that have uh, uh, described him in this way. Tika. So that is what uh, Imam Busaidi is uh, talking about in this particular segment. 
that to praise the Prophet you have no limits other than the limits of uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Even then, you are still falling short of the mark uh, because whatever you do, you're not going to be able to do it. So here he goes on to, um, then he goes on, inshallah, in the next uh, verse uh, to uh, elucidate that very same meaning where he says, وَنْسُبْ إِلَىٰ ذَاتِهِ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَرَفٍ وَنْسُبْ إِلَىٰ قَدْرِهِ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ عِظَامِ Ascribe to his person what you wish of nobility. Ascribe to his stature what you wish of immensity. Right? So, وَنْسُبْ إِلَىٰ ذَاتِهِ مَا شِئْتَ مِنْ شَرَفٍ so his that his um, bodily features, his appearance, his character, how he conducted himself with others, and so on and so forth. One sub ila qadrihi ma shi'ta min 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 idhami, and his qadr, his qadr meaning his status with Allah subhanahu wa taala, right? Maqam al mahmuda, his uh, his status amongst mankind as well, that he was the best of creation, and he was the foremost, and he was the Imam al Mursaleen, and so on and so forth. And uh, say whatever you wish uh, with regards to these, uh, all of these um, uh, elements about him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then he goes on to say in verse number forty-five, Why is there no limit? Because indeed Allah's messenger's perfection has no frontier. It has no. This is it. This is the end. This is the end of the line. Beyond this is nothingness. There is no line for the Prophet ﷺ with regards to that. That any speaker could ever verbalize already. Right? There's no, not line, but I would say that there's no encapsulating, there's no encompassing, there's no describing the Prophet ﷺ fully. Right? And nothing in, in words that can ever do him justice. فَإِنَّ فَضْلَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ لَيْسَ لَهُ حَدٌ فَيُعْرِبَ عَنْهُ نَاطِقٌ بِفَمِي Right? Amazing, mashallah, man. The, and this is coming from a man who's actually doing this very thing. Right? Imam Busaidi is doing the very thing that he's saying that is impossible to do. Subhanallah. So he is recognizing himself, his own limitations. He's recognizing himself that he himself, this qasida that he's written, this poem that he's written in praise of the Prophet ﷺ, is, uh, <laughs> is nowhere, near, nowhere near what the Prophet ﷺ deserves. And he'll go on. So he goes on to say in verse number 46, لَوْ نَاسَبَتْ قَدْرَهُ آيَاتُهُ عِظَمًا أَحْيَسْمُهُ حِينَ يُدْعَى دَارِسَ الرِّمَمِ And were his marvels to match his worth in greatness, his name, when called, would give life to bones decayed in nihility. لَوْ نَاسَبَتْ قَدْرَهُ آيَاتُهُ عِظَمًا If his signs, آيَاتُهُ Obviously the signs that he came with, the splitting of the moon, the water coming from his fingers in wudu, uh, the Qur'an itself uh, being revealed to him, um, the breaking of the uh, uh, of the rock um, in the in the khandaq, uh, his ability to um, the the Quran despite uh, come with the Quran despite being ummi despite not knowing how to read or write he comes with a literary masterpiece all these other ayat if these ayat um, not all of them but some of them if they were to uh, equate to his status. Um, what that would mean would that whenever his name would be called, it would raise those that have been um, dead for a long time, right? Those who are uh, been buried and they have uh, sort of their bones have rotten, rotted and decayed and disintegrated, um, and they are now but dust. With his name called, they would then uh, come back to life. Um, okay, so this one sounds a bit uh, sounds a bit weird, right? Sounds a bit funny. And the detractors of the of the Burda again have stopped on this verse and said, "Ya lahui, what is going on here?" <laughs> he is saying that. Uh, <laughs> what is he saying here? He's saying that if you call out the name of the Prophet it's going to give life to the dead. 
What is this bid'ah? What is this shirk? What is this kufr? Right? So they said this about this, right? But we know that bringing, giving life to the dead is not something new. Isa alayhi salam, that was one of his ayat. That was one of his signs, right? وَأُبْرِئُ الْأَكْمَهَا وَالْأَبْرَسَ وَأُحِيَ الْمَوْتَى بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Right? And we all know that Imam Busayri when he says this, he doesn't mean that the Prophet ﷺ himself or the name calling of itself is going to give life to the death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that gives life to, de- to, to the dead. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that creates from nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that does all of these things. That's Musallam, right? That is already, we, we, already, we already believe that. Um, but we know from the ayat of Isa alayhi salam, that is one of his ayat, right? Giving life to the dead. Musa alayhi salam, فَقُلْ نَضْرِبُوهُ بِبَعْضِهَا كَذَلِكَ يُحِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَى Right? When he got that piece of meat, slapped the dead body with it, and the dead body came to life and told the people around Musa who killed him. Right? This is one of the ayat of Musa alayhi salam. Right? Um, Ibrahim alayhi salam and the birds. Right? كَيْفَ تُحِي الْمَوْتَى Ya Allah, how do you give life to the dead? قَالَ فَخُذْ أَرْبَعَةً مِنَ الطَّيْرِ فَصُرْهُنَّ إِلَيْكَ Take four birds. Uh, cut them up into pieces, uh, put them onto different uh, uh, sort of hilltops and mountain tops, then call them and they will come to you. And he did that, he called them and they came to him. Right? Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is there in our traditions, right? All over the place. It's not something like, oh, astaghfirullah, Muhammad, you say his name and you bring life to the death, what's going on? Imam Busayr is not saying that this is happening. He's saying that one of the ayat should be uh, the Prophet sallam, giving life to the dead. But we know that the Prophet didn't give life to the dead. But what he did give life to was the jamadat. He gave life to trees. He gave life to rocks. They would cry and uh, voices, they, they would speak to him. Right? These things are inanimate objects. They have no life to them. But somehow they were able to converse with the Prophet And we know the jidh al-nakhl, right? The place where the Prophet used to stand on. It was a, the stump of a palm tree. He would stand on it to give his uh, khutbahs. And then a member was made for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he left that stump. And that when he left that stump and he went to his member that was created for him, what happened? The sound came from that stump, crying, because it wanted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to continue to stand on him. Right? That's Rasulullah, that's the maqam of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Forget human beings that were once alive and then, you know, were brought back to life. This is like inanimate objects that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is interacting with, right? So the ayat of the Prophet are many uh, and they are great ayat as well. Uh, some of them greater than others. What Imam Busaydi here is saying that one of the things that the other Prophets had were, was giving life to the dead. If it was, if the Prophet was given anything, it would be that his name, whenever it was mentioned, would give life to the dead. That's literally, you could take that metaphorically as well. That when the Prophet's name is mentioned, right? When his life is mentioned, when we, uh, uh, look to what he went through and uh, what he brought that brings life to people that brings yeah, life to our hearts it revives what is dead Allah yeah so we know that that doesn't stand inshallah uh, then he goes on to say in verse number 47 despite his amazing character and despite his lofty status and despite this out of the world sort of uh, notion that we have with regards to the Messenger وسلم, he's receiving revelation from an angel that we can't see right and this miracle that is the Quran lives on even after he has got, uh, died and it stays preserved as it, as it was back then to this day today 
Yes, Suleiman. <laughs> wants a little echo. He wants the echo going. You know, like some speakers. There's an echo going on. Akramakallah, <laughs> MashaAllah. What was I saying? I'll say something there. Ah, despite the Prophet <laughs> being like, you know, his, his status and, and having all of these like, you know, mystical things around him that, that, that beg belief that, that are just out of this world, subhanAllah. That is why from the sign of the believer, <laughs> from the sign of the believer is that we believe in the ghayb, right? We believe in the unseen. We believe in those things that we not necessarily can't explain because they are explainable, right? And there will come a time when we can explain them, whether that's in this life or the next life. They have an explanation to them. But we believe in them in spite of that explanation. To the point where there are some things in this world, right? We don't understand, we, or we didn't understand them from, you know, from a bygone era, but we believed in them nonetheless. And then we, as, as time goes by and as knowledge expands and we dis, begin to discover things, we realize that those things that they believed in back then were true because it's proved by X, Y, Z in terms of the science, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're like, wow, that's amazing. Not that we proved it's amazing, but that they believed it without needing this, that was amazing, right? So they believed the Isra of the Prophet ﷺ. They believed in that revelation without needing it. They believed in these other dimensions without knowing 3D and 4D and 5D and all these other things, right? They believed in all of this stuff. They didn't have the capacity to describe it in words, but the belief was there, the foundations were there, right? All of this stuff was, was, uh, was understood by them, subhanAllah. So despite having all of these qualities, right, of... Uh, of like uh, this unbelievableness, I'll call it, right? The Prophet ﷺ didn't come with anything that we couldn't understand, that is unfathomable for us. His message was a simple message La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, Iqam is salah, Ita is zakah, Sawm Ramadan, Hajjul Bayti in istata'ta ilayhi sabila. Right? Five, five pillars of Islam, five things. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, right? The Shahadatain. There is no God worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Second is your salah, third your zakah, fourth uh, fasting the month of Ramadan, and fifth the hajj. This is it. Ikhlas in your endeavors, have sincerity in everything that you do, be congruent. What, do you, what is in the inside is on the outside. Don't say that which you don't do. Have good manners, be nice and be kind to people. Love one another, come together in harmony, come together in iman, right? Believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last day. Hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasibu. Right? Take yourselves to account before the, the, the account of the Day of Judgment And so on and so forth All of these things the Prophet came with Very simple, very easy Not difficult to understand And all of this in order to help us to become better human beings And to unite our hearts From a, war, from a, from a world that is war-torn And is hell-bent on taking from each other right? The Prophet has come with rahmah right? And he's come with rahmah to join one another uh, um, Our hearts uh, with one another so لم يمتحنا بما تعي العقول به حرصا علينا فلم نرتب ولم نهمي. He tried us not from concern with things that boggled the mind. Right? So he didn't come with anything confusing. Right? He didn't come with anything like uh, crazy. Even when he was describing things that were difficult to understand, like the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Right? And tu'mina bil bil qadr, khairihi wa sharrihi. Just believe in it. That's what you're ordered to do. Not to understand it. Not to have a picture of it. To to comprehend beginning to end of the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala No, that's not what you're um, uh, obliged to do What you are obliged to do is believe in it Believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already ordained everything Right? He already has knowledge, prior knowledge of all things That's what you're supposed to believe in Right? Not to understand those things If it was that we had to understand those things Dude, 
<laughs> we'll be in a very difficult position. Iman will be impossible. And everybody will be kuffar. <laughs> kuffar will be everywhere. Right? And because there's, there seems to be like a little flip now, right? Because these things are sometimes a fit now, right? Um, and as well as like other things as well, like slavery, um, the, the age of Aisha when the, she, she, she married the Prophet Sallallahu um, the concept of jihad, uh, and all these things, right? Sometimes they can be challenging for a, for, for a person to, to get to grips with, right? Um, and to try and comprehend. These things, they're not difficult in and of themselves to understand, and they have a justification for them uh, within the Sharia uh, and within the deen. What is difficult or what causes a fitna is our own perceptions of them and our own biases and our own sort of uh, uh, preconceived judgments with regards to them. Right? So when we think of slavery, we think of chains around the neck, black people with chains. That's what we think about, right? And no rights, no food, no water, no etc. Et et Terrible living conditions and so on and so forth. Right? But we know that that's not the slavery that the Prophet was talking about. That's not the, 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 the rights that the Prophet gave. Uh, to those who are in uh, in bondage and in servitude, um, the uh, uh, so and all the other things you know, we can uh, continue talking about that, but all the other things they are all a construct of our own biases that we have today, and we are reflecting them on the life of the Prophet Not that that particular issue in and of itself is a difficult issue to understand, right? The Qadr of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that in and of itself isn't a difficult issue to understand. Because what Allah, what the Prophet is calling us to is a belief in it, right? Believing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the All-Knowing. He knows what preceded, and He knows what is going to come, and He knows what will be and what won't be, and what it would be like had it been, right? Allah Subhanahu knows all of these things. He knows the outcomes of all things, right? String theory, right? Multiverses. If there was such a thing, Allah would know it. Allah already knows it. If there was such a thing, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, man. So this is what we've been asked to do. So this is what we've been uh, ordered to do uh, um, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. So He hasn't come, the Prophet hasn't come with anything that is overburdening and too difficult to understand. Very easy, very simple. And a lot of these things that we end up getting like into sort of like a, a bit of a twist about, most of them are not part of your Iman. So whether you agree with it or you disagree with it, whether you understand it or you don't understand it, doesn't have a bearing on your Iman. Right? Doesn't have a bearing on your Islam. You're still a Muslim. Right? Whether you believe that Aisha radiallahu anha was a certain age when she got married, when she was if she was like nine or eight or nine or whatever, or you believe that she was eighteen plus, neither of the two are gonna have an impact on your iman. Neither of the two uh, 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 is a line between uh, iman and kufr. You know what I'm saying? The Prophet didn't come and tell you you have to believe that my wife was a certain age. <laughs> That's not part of your iman. You know I'm saying? So it's just a side issue. But what's happening today? These issues are becoming the main thing about Islam. And if you can't comprehend these things and if you can't get to the bottom of these things, that means Islam in its entirety is put to the side. Ah, this is the equivalent of the one who focuses on his nafila and forgets his fard. Reads Quran but doesn't uh, pray five times a day. Wakes up for tahajjud and sleeps during fajr. <laughs> Tell, talk to me about this guy. Does, does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, does it? Same with these things. Huh? Okay. Uh, then he goes on to say in verse number 48, uh, In verse number uh, 48, 
أعي الورى فهم معناه فليس يرى في القرب والبعد فيه غير منفحم Conceiving his meaning يعني the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم his meaning, his essence what he came with who he is in his حقيقة like his reality the Prophet's reality Conceiving that has exhausted the universe everybody in the universe anybody that tries to think about the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم what he came with who is he right what is he made from right what is his reality has exhausted the universe Everyone's fallen short of that. So near or far, one not dumbstruck by it, you will not see. Whether you're close to the Prophet or you're distanced from the Prophet That could be cl- closeness and, uh, and distance, right? Or closeness and farness. Being close to him and being further away from him. That could either be in, uh, physically, right? So, you know, from far away, the Prophet you don't get his essence. As you get closer to him, you still don't get his essence. Uh, the, the Sahaba, عليهم, at one point, they were enemies. Furthest away from the Prophet in terms of in physical distance but in terms of like meaning as well right metaphysical distance the furthest away from him when you are an enemy of someone you are the furthest away from them right keep your friends close but your enemies closer though huh? right you're first away from them then they believed then they believed so they became the closest to him and yet still from amongst the companions were those who couldn't describe the Prophet right and even um, right? uh, Let's do the Zamani one, right? So time, so closeness in time The closer you are to the Prophet in time With regards to the Sahaba They couldn't recognize the reality of the Prophet So the further you go from the Prophet in terms of time The less we, we capture and the less we can understand and comprehend of the reality of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This is something that people don't get. One uh, one story that uh, what's it called came to mind when I was um, reading this verse. Um, so the we know that the kuffar of Quraysh uh, they were against uh, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, there was a. Um, one of the heads of Quraysh, um, Abu Walid, Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, right? Um, he uh, was vehemently against the Prophet. So one day he was with uh, the heads of Quraysh and they gathered together, and the Prophet was giving his da'wah, and Hamza had just entered into Islam, right? So this is a problem for Quraysh because Hamza radiallahu anhu was he was a he was a don right you, you can't mess with Hamza if Hamza became Muslim and he was on the side of the Muslims you can't harass the Muslims like you used to harass them anymore because they've got someone in there that's going to cause you a lot of trouble right and Hamza was like this you know burly wedge like you don't mess with him kind of guy right TK so they uh, the heads of Quraysh they gathered together in their uh, sort of like a uh, debating house. Uh, and they started to discuss this issue that you know the Prophet was getting stronger you know we need to wa alaykum salam we need to try and stop this guy man we need to do something in order to prevent his message from spreading and prevent more people from joining him just like Hamza radiallahu anhu and so uh, Utbah ibn Rabi'ah he uh, decides to um, uh, take it upon himself to go and speak to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said look let me go and negotiate with the, with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi let me go and speak to him let me go and chat to him right and I'll, 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 I'll um, uh, present to him options uh, for him to choose and I'll give him an offer that he can't refuse. Uh, and if he takes it, then Alhamdulillah, we're sorted. And if he doesn't, then we'll see about it later. So they're like, yeah, go. So he came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's like, Ya Ibn Akhi. He's like, 
my nephew, my brother. Let me talk to you. Right? Uh, and he starts to praise him. He's like, you know, you are someone who we know really well. Uh, you know, mashallah, you come from a very honorable family. Uh, you are, you know, an honest and uh, upright person that we know, uh, mashallah. Uh, and we, we don't know you um, sort of, uh, we don't know of you anything that's bad, right? But you've come with something that is, you know, too big. It's too great and it's, uh, it's harming a lot of people, right? Uh, you have farraqta bihi jama'atahum. You have uh, broken up the unity that people had, right? Safahta uh, bihi ahlamahum. And you have destroyed their hopes, dreams, and aspirations. Wa'ibta bihi alihatahum. And you have insulted uh, their gods uh, and their religion. Wa'kafarta bihi ma mada min abaihim. And you have disbelieved in those who have come before them from there, from their fathers and forefathers. So listen to me. I'll give you a couple of options. And inshallah, take them, take from them what you wish. So the Prophet, after hearing this, uh, he says, Qul, Ya Abul Walid, Asma. He goes, Speak, Abul Walid, that's his kunya. Speak, and I'm listening. So he says, Ya Ibn Akhi. إِنْ كُنْتَ إِنَّمَا تُرِيدُ بِمَا جِئْتَ بِهِ مِنْ هَذَا الْأَمْرِ مَالًا جَمَعْنَا لَكَ مِنْ أَمْوَالِنَا حَتَّى تَكُونَ أَكْثَرَنَا مَالًا If by this thing that you have brought, this religion of Islam, this revelation that you're talking about, if you wish to be rich, what we'll do is we'll get together, all of us, we'll get our riches together and we'll give you the biggest share, so you'll be the richest from us, uh, you'll be the richest out of all of us. That's one. وَإِن كُنْتَ تُرِيدُ بِهِ شَرَفًا سَوَّدْنَاكَ عَلَيْنَا And if you want from it honor and power and sort of uh, leadership, then we will make you the leader uh, of us. حَتَّى لَا نَقْطَعْ أَمْرًا دُونَكَ And we will never make a decision without you. We're always going to consult you. Okay, okay. option two. Option three. وَإِن كُنْتَ تُرِيدُ بِهِ مُلْكًا مَلَّكْنَاكَ عَلَيْنَا And if you wish to be a king over us, we will make you a king and we will be your subjects. تمام? Option three. وَإِنْ كَانَ هَذَا الَّذِي يَأْتِيكَ رُؤْيَا تَرَاهُ لَا تَسْتَطِيعُ رَدَّهُ عَنْ نَفْسِكَ طَلَبْنَا لَكَ الطِّبِّ And if this is something that you know, you know, you're, you're, you're suffering with, uh, uh, if it's like a, a vision that you keep seeing and you can't seem to get rid of it, let me know and I'll bring you a doctor, the best physician, and we will cure you of your ailment. Option four. Right? Money, money, status, power, or... Illness. <laughs> Those are the options. Choose one of these four options, and we're done. Right. So uh, Utbah is now finished. So the Prophet ﷺ, he looks up at him and he goes, ya Abul Walid. Have you now finished, Abul Walid? So he says yes. So he, so the Prophet ﷺ says, Fasma' minni. Listen to me now. He then says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Hamim, Tanzilu min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Kitabun fussilat ayatuhu Qur'anan arabiyya li qawmi ya'lamun, Bashiran wa nadhiran, fa'arada akhtaruhum fahum la yasma'oon. And he goes on to recite Surah Fussilat. Uh, they say oh, up until the ayah of the sajda, which is in like ayah number 38. Um, and others, uh, other, other riwayat in Sirtu bin Hisham and other places, uh, they say that it was up until the ayah, fa'in uh, a'radu. Uh, فَقُلْ أَنْذَرْتُكُمْ صَائِقَةً مِثْلَ صَائِقَةِ عَادٍ وَثَمُودٍ That if they turn away, then warn them of a warning uh, that they will be 
that the, that a, that a punishment will come to them just like the punishment of Ad and Thamud that came before them. And when the Prophet recited this ayah, Utbah got up and covered the mouth of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he was like, "Kafa, kafa, that's enough, that's enough. I've heard enough." Then he realized that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not going to leave off what is whatever he has come with, to the point where even if you put the uh, the sun in his right hand and the moon in his left hand, he's not going to leave off what Allah subhanahu wa taala has commanded him to do. So he goes back to his qawm. After hearing all of this from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Qur'an being recited, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam literally taking all of his options and just dashing them against the wall, goes back to his, uh, his people, right? And then they see him coming towards them. So they say amongst each other, Abu Walid, this man, right? He's coming back with a different face to the face that he left with. <laughs> Meaning he left all confident and oh, I'm going to show this Muhammad. And he's come back like, Mundaish, <laughs> like, oh my God. Right? So, he comes to them and he says to them, Wallahi, guys, this man, there is no overcoming him. You have no chance in overcoming him, right? What he has come with is something that is out of this world. It's not poetry. It's not magic. It's not um, soothsaying and fortune telling. It's none of these things. It's something that is out of this world. And none of you guys are going to come, be able to come uh, uh, to, to match it with anything. So... Let me come with you to come to you with some propositions. <laughs> says, listen, guys, leave this guy alone. Let him do his da'wah. If people decide to um, fight him and uh, go to war against him and they defeat him, they have done you a favor and they've done for you a service that you don't have to do for yourself. If, though, he goes and he converts the entire of the Arabian Peninsula and they all become Muslims and they all join onto this deen of Islam, then he will be their leader and you will be part of his leadership and you will be honored by him and you'll be happy with what he has come with because he has defeated all of your enemies right for you so leave him alone let him do his thing and inshallah like we'll be fine right those are the options for you guys now right <laughs> take them so you know what they said when they heard him saharaka wallahi ya abul walid this guy has put a spell on you <laughs> <laughs> so here, the reason why I bring this story, right, is here Imam Al-Sayyid is saying The Quraysh, the Kuffar of Quraysh, they think they got this man figured They go up to him with all these options And then they realize that this is something that is beyond their comprehension Right, even the Kuffar of Quraysh, they recognize that yeah? Subhanallah, that is the maqam of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa uh, then he goes on to say in verse number 49 uh, Here he's going in to explain um, and elucidate the previous verse uh, Verse number 48 With regards to our inability to fully comprehend uh, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And he does it by uh, painting for us a picture Much like the sun From afar it does appear small to the eyes And would impair any vision when in proximity Right, so the sun, when you look up at the sun, see this small little circle. And you think, dude, I can hold that in my hand. Right? That's a tiny little thing. But as you get closer and closer and closer to the sun, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? and the closer you get to something that is humongous and massive, the less you can comprehend of it. Right? The further you are away from it, the less you can comprehend of it because of your distance. Right? You see it as something small, but you don't see its reality as being huge. Much bigger than the earth. I don't know how many times bigger than the earth. 
How many times bigger than the Earth? Sun and the huh? Three million times. Yeah. Okay, Jalal. That's on the authority of Amen. On the on the authority of Amen. Hafidullah. Right. Three million times the size of the Earth. Right. You see that you don't comprehend it, so you think it's small. As you get closer to something that's three million times the size of the Earth, can you even comprehend the Earth when you're looking at it? No. Who are you going to comprehend from the Sun? Same thing with Rasulullah What do you think you're going to comprehend? You read about him, you hear stories, you read the ahadith of the Prophet you think you got him figured, right? You haven't, you haven't, no way. The reality of the Prophet is far beyond uh, what you can comprehend. We only have a snippet of what his life was, right? And what his reality was, right? SubhanAllah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? So uh, that's what the Imam Busayri is um, emphasizing uh, here. Uh, in this uh, in this particular way. and even when you look at the life of the Prophet lesson, right the difficulties that he's go through that he goes through right well like if any one of us went through the same same difficulties where our our entire community banishes us throws stones at us physically harms us and abuses us sends us and our family and our and our followers into this valley and starves us to death right it's enough to make you go crazy it's 1.3 million 1.3 yeah 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 I remember <laughs> 1.3 million times that's <laughs> Alhamdulillah, we've got a Google fact check here by <laughs> Right? So even those things, right? And these are dunya we related, right? Like um, uh, physical things that you can comprehend, that you can see. Like, you know, the way he's been treated and the, and the things that are happening to him. And even still, he remains steadfast and firm, believing that there's going to be a way out from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many times do we go through a difficult and we think, Mata Nasrullah, when is the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to come? Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting me through this? I'm tired, I've, I've had enough. <laughs> I've got to my limit. How many times has that happened to us? Right? And here you have Rasulullah If they put the sun in my right hand And the moon in my left I will not leave this Then he goes on say And how could people Asleep Distracted uh, from him by dreams begin to grasp in the present world his reality. Uh, talking about us, talking about himself, talking about everybody other than Rasulullah, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can uh, we as mankind ever re- recognize the reality of the Prophet when we ourselves are distracted by the dunya? We ourselves are in a dream. We're in a dream world, right? We're in a different place altogether, right? We're distracted by the dunya. And our distraction um, uh, of the dunya, it takes us away from recognizing the realities of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Slacking man. Hey, the slack. The slack. Right. وَكَيْفَ يُدْرِكُ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَقِيقَتَهُ قَوْمٌ نِيَامٌ تُسَلَّوْا عَنْهُ بِالْحُلُمِ Ali radiyallahu anhu. You know what he said? النَّاسُ نِيَامٌ فَإِذَا مَاتُوا انْتَبَهُ Mankind, people. They are asleep. When they die, they wake up. Real talk. Real talk. Why? Because the 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 ruh that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has sent down uh, is encapsulated by our bodies, right? And it recognizes our consciousness. It um, how how can we describe it? Our consciousness it uh, interprets interprets the world around it through the five apertures of the senses. So your sight, your smell, your taste, your touch, and so on and so forth. All of these things, that's how we perceive the outside world. So when we see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when we read about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are experiencing him through these uh, uh, sort of five senses. 
nothing more, right? So we are limited to those things, and that, say that for the rest of the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in, in this world. When we are limited to these five things, we don't recognize the realities of them. We can't recognize the realities of them. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes us to die, and we are then alleviated of our bodily selves, and our ruh is then released, then we recognize, then we see, then we understand, then we comprehend. Right? That is that, and that is the only way we are going to recognize uh, sort of like the more remedial things like the jinn. So we don't see the jinn in this world because of our human bodies. But we're going to see the jinn in the akhirah. Why? Because we are no longer shackled by the, our, our bodies. We are now released. We are going to perceive Jannah and Nar. We are going to perceive the dimensions or the different ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. We are going to perceive angels even though they are in a different dimension to us as well. Right? You know what I'm saying? We're going to see all of these things. Why? Because we are no longer encapsulated by our bodies anymore. Distracted This is the very thing we're talking about, man. Talking about realities of the Prophet here, bro. <laughs> and you're talking about arms and legs. <laughs> Allah man. Case in point, man. SubhanAllah. <laughs> yeah? So how can how can a people asleep recognize his reality? Right? How can people distracted recognize his reality? Right? Okay, Verse number 51, he goes on to say, فَمَبْلَغُ الْعِلْمِ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ بَشَرٌ وَأَنَّهُ خَيْرُ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ كُلِّهِمِ The peak of knowledge about him, Rasulullah is that he is a man. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ And he is the best of Allah's creation entirely. يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهُ وَاحِدٌ The extent of our knowledge is that he is a man. He is a human being just like us. But he is the best of all creation. Imam uh, Al-Zarkashi, Alhamdulillah, one of the famous Usulis, one of the greatest of the ulama uh, that the Muslim world has ever seen. He said about this verse that this is the best verse of the entire poem. Because here Imam Busaidi is literally saying that we can say whatever we want about him, but all we know and all we can possibly say and all that we can, the limits that we can possibly go to is that he's a man and he's the best of Allah's creation. Uh, they say that um, the best uh, po- uh, verse of poetry in a poem is called Bayt al Qasid. So for Imam al Zarakshi and many other Zarakshi and many others that came after him and before him as well, uh, they said the same thing about this verse that this was the best uh, best verse. It's said in um, there's the stories about this verse as well, uh, where Imam Busaidi he when he was writing this verse. Um, he could only think of He could only think of the first half of it And he couldn't think of the He couldn't complete the verse He didn't know how to complete it Went to sleep, saw the Prophet ﷺ in his dream And the Prophet ﷺ, uh, listened to the burda uh, Him reciting it And uh, he got to this point And he paused, he froze And he couldn't, say it, couldn't complete it So the Prophet ﷺ asked him why, why are you stopping there, why don't you continue He said, I, can't, I don't know what to say so the Prophet told him, say, And that he is the, uh, the best of Allah's creation. Uh, uh, of the veracity and the, uh, what's it called, the truthness of that uh, particular story, but that's what is written uh, in the books and the traditions ar- ar- around uh, this particular verse. But it's, it's nice to mention anyway, mashallah. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, seeing the Prophet in a dream and him telling you things. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Okay, and then he goes on to say, uh, verse number 52, um, And every sign that the prophets, the noble messengers that came before him, uh, have conveyed, uh, have come to them from his light exclusively. Um, uh, and this is a this is a verse, or the meaning of this verse we've, we've alluded upon, uh, alluded to uh, what's it called in our previous uh, sessions, where uh, Imam Bussaidi in verse number thirty nine, he says, <laughs> um, that. Uh, all of them, their messengers, are receiving from Allah's messenger a sip from downpouring rain or a handful scooped from the sea, meaning that they are receiving from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they are taking from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we uh, mentioned a couple of athar and a couple of hadith uh, regarding like, you know, because some people can say that, well, how can the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam take from other messengers when he came after them and they came before him? Shouldn't he be taking from them as opposed to uh, them taking from him? Uh, but we know that the uh, time with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His creation is not necessarily how we perceive time as human beings, right? And we know that the Prophet has said himself that he was asked by one of the companions, Mata wajabat lakan nubuwa. When was when was prophethood written for you? When did you become a prophet? And he responded, Wa Adamu Baina Arruhi wal Jasad that between when Adam was between uh, his spirit and his body. So his spirit was yet to go into uh, his body. Right? That was when the Prophet ﷺ became a messenger. I mean, okay, you can say that, okay, where was uh, the Prophet's body? Right? But where was the Prophet's spirit? And so on and so forth. So, all of these things, they are unanswerable questions because they are all in the matter of the ghayb of what happened back then. The information that we have received, وَمَا أُوتِيتُم مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا, is only a little, it's only a small, small part, part of what, uh, what we can possibly know about what happened at that time. But the point is, these are athar that have reached us. And they are sahih, it's narrated in Tirmidhi and other places as well. Um, uh, and so uh, we can base that uh, claim uh, with regards to what the pro- what Ibn Busayri is saying and what other ma- uh, ulama have mentioned uh, as well other than him with regards to the Prophet ﷺ, his maqam being the Imam of the Anbiya, the Khatim al-Nabiyyin, uh, the one who seals and completes um, uh, prophethood, uh, that he came with the complete revelation, so every other revelation was incomplete. Miyani, it was taken from the Quran. It was taken from the revelation that the Prophet ﷺ came with, and so on and so forth. And the fact that the the Sharia of the Prophet ﷺ has um, abrogated all other Sharia that came before it, meaning it is the complete and the <coughs> final version of anything that came uh, that came before. Meaning that anything that came before is only a part of what the Prophet ﷺ came with. So these are all the meanings that Imam Busayri is trying to uh, trying to portray here uh, in these verses. Then he goes on to say in verse number fifty-three, shamsu fadlin. So he's still talking about how the maqam of the Prophet وسلم, his status, um, uh, and and how we are we are in actual fact unable to recognize his reality. And in order to try to make sense of it, he's going he he's painting for us pictures. So he's talking about how uh, you know the sun from far away it looks and how you can't comprehend it even if you're close up and so on and so forth. He's going to try to do the same thing here um, in this particular verse where he says for in fadlin hum kawakibuha uh, 53 Slacking man. Give him a break, guys. Give him a break. He's doing his bit, man. He's doing his bit. <laughs> Coming down hard on the man. 
Um, so for any of you guys watching at home thinking what's going on, uh, one of the brothers is, is changing. I don't know if you can see on your screen. You should be able to see on your screen somewhere the, the verses that are, that are constantly going as we're, as we're reciting them. Um, so one of the brothers is in charge of that and there's brothers who are pomp- prompting him to do it. And uh, mashallah, very, uh, we're running a really tight ship here, mashallah. Um, so yeah, so uh, he's painting for us a picture with regards to the Prophet's status and the status of the rest of the Anbiya. فَإِنَّهُ شَمْسُ فَضْلٍ هُمْ كَوَاكِبُهَا He is the sun of esteem to which they are as if moons or stars, other stars. يُظْهِرْنَ أَنْوَارَهَا النَّاسِ فِي الظُّلَمِ Reflecting its light, yani the sun's light, yani Rasulullah's light, uh, in darkness to humanity, right? In times of ignorance, in times of, um, uh, of jahl. Uh, here, what he's trying to say is that the Anbiya, والسلام, all of them that preceded the Prophet they're like the stars in the sky. And the Prophet is like the, the sun that appears in the light of day. When the Prophet's guidance comes, it cancels out every other light that is in the sky. There is no other light that you can see other than the light of the sun. Right? And when the light of the sun uh, retracts uh, and sets and darkness ensues, you see the light of the stars that come. Or the light of the moon. Yeah, it's translated as moon. So kawakib can be moons as well. And we know that moons, the, the moon, it, its light is reflective of the sun's light. Meaning that the Anbiya والسلام, it's a <coughs> clarification and an explanation of the previous verse. Which is that they are reflecting the night, light of Rasulullah The guidance of Rasulullah is the guidance, is the very same guidance that they come with. Only the guidance of Rasulullah is a lot greater than the guidance that they have come with. So they are reflecting the greater guidance with their, with their, with their own uh, sort of guidance. And because they were only sent to their people, they are like stars in the sky. Stars are small. They appear in certain locations and set locations. Whereas the sun is, shines upon all of the world. The Prophet ﷺ was sent to all of mankind. I have been sent to mankind altogether. Whereas Musa ﷺ was sent to Bani Israel. Isa alayhi salam, Bani Israel. Ibrahim alayhi salam to his people. Nuh alayhi salam to his people. Ad to his, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, Hud and Salih and all these other uh, prophets and messengers, all of them were sent to their specific people. Yeah? Whereas the Prophet was sent to mankind altogether. So this is the metaphors that he is uh, sort of giving to us so that we can uh, comprehend this a little bit better. أَكْرِمْ بِخَلْقِ نَبِيٍّ And he goes on to say in verse number 54 أَكْرِمْ بِخَلْقِ نَبِيٍّ زَانَهُ خُلُقٌ بِالْحُسْنِ مُشْتَمِلٌ بِالْبِشْرِ مُتَّسِمِ How grand the form of a prophet Brightened by character, enveloped by handsomeness Distinguished by jollity SubhanAllah Even the translation is really good, mashallah man He's done, uh, Mustafa Azam has done a really good job man But here he's, he's, good. he's now in these next couple of verses He's really going to go at it with regards to praising the Prophet sallallahu so he says, Akrim bi nabiyin. Akrim, akrim bi khalqi. Akrim bi kada. That is, whenever that mode of um, uh, uh, of speech is used in the Arabic language, it's basically at um, like in amazement. Wow, how amazing, how noble, how honorable, right? Ahsin, ahsin bi jamal, right? Like how beautiful is jamal, right? Habibi, ma ajmala jamal, ma ahsan jamal, right? That's, that's uh, kind of what we're saying, right? It's the same same sigh. So akrim bi khalqi nabiyyin, like how amazing, how honorable, how noble is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? How grand the form of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Akrim bi khalqi nabiyyin, bi khalq, yani his outward appearance, right? And khuluq, 
زانه خلق right so his outward appearance is amazing it's so grand and that is accompanied by beautiful character beautiful manners and the best of uh, uh, sort of uh, the best of speech and the best of conduct right uh, and ways of dealing this is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is uh, beautified by that zainahu zain right something that is zain something that is beautiful enveloped by handsome, handsomeness right bil bil husni mushtamilun right husn is beauty right rabbana atina fid dunya hasana we said that hasan hasana comes from beauty back in the du'as of the quran series right mushtamil comes from what ishtimal ishtimal uh, is when something is encompassing surrounding enveloping something so he is enveloped he is surrounded he is covered in beauty right in handsomeness bil bishri muttasimi and he is distinguished a muttasim comes from the word wasama which means like a sign right he is signified um, uh, he is distinguished he is known for bishr and bishr is when you have you are jolly you are happy people can see joy on your face when they see you they smile right anas radiyallahu ta'ala would describe the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as saying that um, uh, I, I have never seen anybody uh, smiling more than the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ma ra'aytu akthar minhu aw akthar minhu ibtisama. Right? I have not seen anybody smile more than the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Always jolly, always happy. Sees his brothers, sees his sisters has a smile on his face. No abus. When I see them is like, you saying, bro? Right? None of that, man. None of that. Doesn't look anybody up and down. Smile. Hashush bashush hashan basha. Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam hashan basha. Right? Always happy. Always uh, um uh, 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 overjoyed to see his uh, to see his brothers and sisters. Ma kana dhahiku al-Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam illa tabassuma. The Prophet ﷺ, whenever he laughed, he smiled. Right. This doesn't mean that um, like uh, he didn't laugh, like you know the way we laugh. Uh, it just meant that the vast majority of the time he would smile a lot, and he would smile a lot, a lot of the time. Right. The vast majority of his time would be smiling. تَبَسْتُمُكَ فِي وَجْهِ أَخِيكَ صَدَقَ Smiling in the face of your brother is صَدَقَ is an act of charity. Right? This is all the sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. بِالْبِشْرِ مُتَّسِمِ Then he goes on to say, in verse number 55, كَالزَّهْرِ فِي تَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ فِي كَرَمٍ وَالْدَّهْرِ فِي هِمَمِ يا إِلَهِ كَالزَّهْرِ فِي تَرَفٍ وَالْبَدْرِ فِي شَرَفٍ وَالْبَحْرِ the full moon in ascendancy, the ocean in giving, and all time in tenacity. That is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Anas radiallahu taala anhu again, uh, with regards to because he's talking about flowers in fineness, the fragrance of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the full moon in ascendancy in terms of his his light and his radiance and and how he looks in terms of his his beauty. Anas radiallahu anhu he says, "Ma masastu dibajan wala haridan aliyan min kafir Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam." I had never touched a material, like a, a luxurious material, like silk or anything of the sort, that was softer than the hands of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? And I didn't smell a fragrance, any fragrance that was more um, beautiful uh, than the fragrance of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? Natural fragrance, man. Right? I have a perfume line. Call it Rasulullah. <laughs> Not doing any justice, though, man. But natural, natural 
natural fragrance, man. SubhanAllah. That's Anas radiallahu ta'ala. And he's one of many that have said this about the Prophet about his appearance and about his, uh, you know, SubhanAllah, man. His sweat would smell like musk when he would sweat, right? When we sweat, well, dude, <laughs> take a shower, bro. When the Prophet sweats, it's like they, they capture it, right? And they would wipe it on themselves because of the, the, the fragrance, right? That's what the Sahaba Radhaan used to do. كَأَنَّهُ وَهُوَ فَرْضٌ فِي جَلَالَتِهِ Sorry, let's finish the verse. وَالْبَحْرُ فِي كَرَمٍ 55. وَالْبَحْرُ فِي كَرَمٍ And he's like the sea in his generosity. We know the Prophet was generous, right? Because he used to give everything away to everybody. We've said this before with regards to his assumed poverty. He's not poor. He's just giving everything away because of his generosity, right? And he is um, making a similitude to the sea, the ocean. The ocean, with regards to Arabs and Arabic language, whenever the ocean is mentioned in a metaphor, it is always a metaphor for generosity. Because the ocean, it yeah, is vast, man. And there's so much khayr in it. There's so much khayr in the ocean. But, ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت أيدي الناس. We are corrupting um, everything, man, on this earth. والدهر في هممي And time with regards to its tenacity. Himam, meaning himma, like effort that you exert, right? Time would go past, like time immemorial. There would be uh, years that would continue to go past and the Prophet will still be steadfast upon what he is doing. Years would go by and he's still praying to Hajjud every single night. Ya Rasulullah. Ajeeb, man. Ramadan comes, we're on it. <laughs> right? Even that with a, st- a stretch, right? Even I was just like struggling. And, yeah, well, yeah, last 10 nights. Later till Qadr, 27th night. Eh? Stay up, right? Prophet sent him 365 days a week, uh, a year. <laughs> what are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to say about that, man? So, And he goes on to say 56. Let's try and blitz through this, inshallah. كَأَنَّهُ وَهُوَ فَرْضٌ فِي مِنْ جَلَالَتِهِ فِي عَسْكَرٍ حِينَ تَلْقَاهُ وَفِي حَشَمِ كَأَنَّهُ وَهُوَ فَرْضٌ مِنْ جَلَالَتِهِ فِي عَسْكَرٍ حِينَ تَلْقَاهُ وَفِي حَشَمِ When he's alone and you meet him, he is like one amid an army and entourage because of his majesty. Allahu Akbar. When you see him alone, you think that he's with like a number of people. You think that there's a whole army or there's a whole entourage around him. There's a whole, Waalaikum Salaam, there's a whole group of people around him ready to. Barakallahu Fikum, Jazakallahu Khair. You think that there is a number of people around him ready to defend him. The story of Umayyad ibn Wahab. You know about the story of Umayyad ibn Wahab? Umayyad ibn Wahab, uh, Walid ibn Utbah, right? Um, was uh, the son of Utbah uh, ibn Rabi'a, right? Uh, I think it was him anyway. Um, anyway, so. Uh, he was, uh, his father got killed, obviously, in, um, uh, in the Battle of Badr, right? And he was really, really upset and he wanted to take vengeance upon the Prophet He had a friend called Umayr ibn Wahab. Umayr, this guy, he was a servant, uh, not a servant, but he was like a, a lower class, um, quite poor, and he was indebted to uh, Walid. Um, and uh, he said to him, Walid said to him, look, if you go to the Prophet and you kill him, I will take care of all your debts and I will look after your family for you after you're gone. So Umair, obviously he took part in the Battle of Badr as well, Umair al-Wahab, and he was like spying on the, on, the, um, on the Muslims as they were coming to Badr. And he was like making, get, getting their numbers and who has like a, a camel and a horse and who has a spear and a sword and what kind of weaponry do they have and all that sort of stuff. He was like their spy, right, for the, for the Kuffar. Uh, and, uh, and obviously he was feeling quite, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, enraged that they had lost and that all these people had died uh, in the Battle of Badr. So 
he looked at Walid when he proposed this to him and he said, you know what, that's a good proposal. I'll take it. You look up, you take care of my debts and you look after my family after I've gone and wallahi, I will go and I will do this for the, uh, 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 against the Prophet And they both took an oath in front of the Kaaba and they held the Kaaba while they were taking that oath. Umayr ibn Wahab takes his sword, dips it in poison and goes to the Medina to find the Prophet He enters into Medina and the Sahaba they see him coming. And Umar radiallahu anhu, they're all sitting in the masjid with the Prophet sallallahu um, alayhi And uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, no, no, they're all sitting there and the Prophet, uh, the Prophet is elsewhere. But they're all sitting in the masjid and they're all talking about Badr and how they, they battered the, 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 the Quraysh and you know, who, who killed who and who fought who and one on one and who won and stuff. And they were like, you know, you know remembering. So Amin ibn Wahab, he's come from a place where everyone's talking about how we lost. And then he comes to a place where everyone's talking about how we won. <laughs> so it's like even heavier on him, right? Umar radiallahu anhu sees him coming. And he's like, ah, this dog. Right? This dog of Jahannam, this shaitan has come. I don't know, he hasn't come for anything except uh, evil. So he goes up to him and grabs him. Omer, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I know why you're here. You're here to, uh, you're up to no good. You're here to cause mischief. And I'm going to sort you out. And he gets him in a headlock. Right? And, uh, he's like, and he's like, no, 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 Omar, I swear, I've come to like, see the Prophet I have a lot of remorse in my heart, and so on and so forth, etc., etc., etc. Goes to the Prophet uh, 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 Umar takes him to the process and drags him to him. Right? He's got him in a headlock and he's like, off his head. Takes him to the process and drags him there. Takes him to him. And uh, stands in front of the Prophet. And the Prophet is sitting there and uh, he says, w- Why have you come? Ya Umair. He says, I've come because I want to take my shahada. I've recognized what my people are upon from falsehood and I want to accept the truth. So he looks at him and he goes, uh, why has your sword been dipped in poison then? Allah. Allah. Like, what? Allah. And he goes, you sat with Walid ibn Utbah in front of the Kaaba, holding on to the astar, the curtains of the Kaaba. And you made an oath to him that he will look after your debts and your family after you are gone and you are, you've come here to kill me. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa The maqam of the Prophet sallallahu totally taken aback. There is no way that this man could ever know this except that he was revealed to him that he has he has power with him, right? Ya'wi ila ruknin shadid, right? He has a power with him and that power is Jibreel alayhi salam. That power is the power of revelation. There is no way that he could possibly have known that because that was between him and Walid and Walid only. And that was done in front of the Kaaba. Nobody was there. He's hundreds of miles away. How on earth is he going to know? But he knows. Another story. Man came, um, uh, I can't remember the backdrop of it, which, which, uh, which battle it was, but I'll tell you the story and you guys can tell me. Um, man came to the Prophet وسلم, and he had um, uh, hung his sword up on a tree and he lay, lay back and uh, went to sleep. This is the Prophet I'm doing it, right? Uh, this uh, non-Muslim, Kafir comes to the Prophet takes the sword and puts it to the neck of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? You know the story, right? Have you heard this before? No? Alright, let me look it up properly inshallah I'll, I'll tell you guys. But let me finish it anyway. So he puts the sword against the neck of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet looks up at him. Uh, and he says, uh, he says to him, 
Now, let, let, me, let me look it up properly, man. I want to say, <laughs> I want to tell you guys properly, inshallah. Yeah, I want to tell you guys properly, inshallah. Uh, anyway, yeah, we can't wait now. Yeah, it'll come, it'll come tomorrow, inshallah. It'll be the first thing that we say, uh, sorry, next week, uh, inshallah, next in our next week? session. It's going to be the first, the first story. Hold that, hold, hold that to me, man. Usually, mashallah, I like to, uh, you know, come prepared, but I also like to say things properly. I don't like to sort of like uh, blag it. So, inshallah, yeah, next week, inshallah, that's the first thing. Yeah, remind me that as well. Pull, pull me up on that as well, inshallah. So anyway, obviously it goes without saying the Battle of Badr uh, where uh, it seemed that they were only few in number but there were angels that were with the Prophet ﷺ fighting alongside of him. Right? That's all, all of that is what Imam Busiri is alluding to here. He goes on to say in verse number 57 from treasure chests of his eloquence and his beaming grin do seem to be pearls preserved within their shells preciously. Here he's talking about the mouth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right? The mouth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam speaks, he speaks with such eloquence that, uh, that, that it, it sort of uh, mystifies the mind. Right? And he speaks with, when he speaks with such beauty, he speaks as if he is speaking and pearls are uh, coming forth from his, from his mouth. And not only that, the teeth in which are shown from the mouth of the Prophet when he speaks are like the pearls that have been um, ordered and placed like in a necklace uh, in the mouth of, of, of Rasulullah This is one way of describing the beauty of Rasulullah's uh, speech as well as uh, his way of speaking um, as well. Then he goes on to say in verse number 58, in the last verse inshallah of this session, لا طيب يعدل طربا ضم أعظمه طوبى لمنتشق منه وملتثم لا طيب يعدل طربا ضم أعظمه طوبى لمنتشق منه وملتثم No scent compares to the earth uh, embracing his blessed form The earth embracing his blessed form meaning the, the ground on which the Prophet is buried in right? No place on earth is more blessed than that particular spot right? uh, For him who sniffs or kisses it, what felicity the person who is able to or who is able to touch the ground that the Prophet ﷺ has touched and where his, his body lays, for him is, uh, is great joy uh, and great, uh, great barakah. Um, one could say, Imam Busaydi and the detractors of the, uh, of the Burda have come on this verse as well, right? And I say, brother, Imam Busaydi here is calling to us grave worship. He's saying that anybody that goes to the grave of the Prophet ﷺ and kisses it and wipes it and does all that other tabarruk stuff, uh, this is what he's calling to here. We say, brother, no. This is not what he's calling to. Right? What he's saying is that anything that the Prophet ﷺ has touched is blessed. He's not saying that. The Sahaba Radhuan is saying this. We know that the aids of Kisra and Qaisar and Hiraqal and all of these like um, the, the kings of the time, uh, from the kings of Persia to the kings of Rome uh, and the kings of Egypt, Anywhere you went, when their aides would come and see the Prophet ﷺ and his companions around him and they would go back to their king to describe the relationship between his companions and the Prophet ﷺ, they would say that they have not seen people so devoted in servitude to their, uh, to their master like the companions of the Messenger ﷺ to, to Rasulullah ﷺ. To the point where that they would fight over the drops of his wudu. He would be making wudu and they would be fighting over the drops that would be coming down from Rasulullah The baqaya, the, what was left of the water of Rasulullah that he made wudu with, they would fight over making wudu with that very same wudu. 
when he would spit, they, he, that his, his, his spit would not land on the floor except that one would catch it and would wipe it on, on, on themselves. These are all athar, these are all ahadith of the Prophet mentioned Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, all of these places, right? Well documented. Um, Ibn Umar, anhu, he would take steps where the Prophet had taken those very same steps, right? Uh, the burda that he gave to Ka'b ibn Zuhair stayed in Ka'b's family as a, a source of blessing and as a source of remembrance of the Prophet. The Prophet gave uh, to uh, Abu Ayyub al Ansari and to other companions as well uh, locks of his hair, right? And the companions would keep that with them. Even after he had passed away, they would keep that with them. Right? And these are all, they're all mentioned in the, in the books of Ahadith, right? So when Imam Busayri is talking about the earth in which the Prophet is buried in, he's not talking about the mazar and the building that's built on top of it and the walls that are surrounding it. You go there and you start wiping it and stuff. All of this is ma anzallahu biha min sultan. This is all bid'ah, right? But he's talking about the place which the Prophet has touched. His body is in the ground there. That very same ground, that very same earth that is in contact with the Prophet's body, that is blessed earth. Imam Malik ta'ala, would never ever walk uh, or, or be in Medina on his horse or on camel or on any type of riding beast. And when he was asked, why you do that? Yeah, Imam, he would say, because this is the maqam of the Prophet and I should never be seen riding uh, on top of a beast in the place where the Prophet is buried. Right? This is the respect and the reverence that they had for that place and that, um, and, and that area. So here Imam Busayri is talking about the very ground in which he is buried. That place is blessed. And no one's going to bat an eyelid that that is not the case. No one's going to bat an eyelid that the very ground in which the Prophet is buried in is blessed. Right? No one's going to bat an eyelid about that. You can bat an eyelid as much as you want about the mazar, the dome, and the other things that have been uh, sort of uh, built on top of that. Those things you don't need to make tabarruk with because they're not attached to the Prophet in any way, shape or form. Nor did he touch them, nor did they have any association with them. They are things that people have built way after. Even the grave of the Prophet you know how it's built, right? You have the, ga- the grave inside the hujra of the Prophet inside the room of the Prophet So that's walled off, that's cornered off. Nobody can get in there anyway. After the Prophet had passed away, a wall was built around that, that wall as well. right? So there was another wall. And then around that wall, there was like a sort of a pentagon type wall that was built around it as well. So even the fascia, the wall they're actually facing, isn't directly facing the, the grave of the Prophet as well, right? So all of these things have, have happened since. Doing tabarruk with these things, there, it has no place, there's no, uh, there's no justification for it because these things were built firstly by men that came after the Prophet Secondly, they have no connection to the Prophet in terms of his body, in terms of his physical form. So there's no blessing and there's no barakah in it there either to do tabarruk of and so on and so forth. So all of these things we're not, we're not talking about here and Imam Busaydi certainly isn't talking about. But he's talking about the ground, the very ground in which is connected to the Prophet Is that clear? Alhamdulillah. So that, inshallah, hopefully uh, takes away from what the detractors have been saying about the burda of Imam Busaydi, in particular this verse. As well, inshallah ta'ala. That completes uh, chapter 3, uh, the praise of the Prophet. Chapter 4, which we're going to take next week, inshallah, uh, is all about his blessed birth. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abana mawliduhu antibi mu'unsurihi ya tiba mubtada in minhu wa muqtatami. Inshallah, we will uh, translate those verses, inshallah, and go through them. Uh, um, are there any questions with regards to what's come up so far in today's sure. session? Alhamdulillah. Uh, Anything online as well? No, no one's watching. Are you cussing me, bro?
No, I'm just saying what's the code. <laughs> there's competition out there, you know. You got a game, I need to sort this guy out. Let's get a camera or sort him out, shall we? need to take him for a ride. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Okay, Zakmullah Khair, guys. Uh, for Thank being a part so of it, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everything that we have uh, done and said today, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala overlook any shortcomings that have come from us, bi'inillahi ta'ala. Uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us uh, with the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the want to follow in his way and make his sunnah uh, the epitome of our lives, inshallah ta'ala. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samir alim wa tuba'alina innaka anta tawabur rahim. Rabbana adina fi dunya hasna wa fi al-akhirati hasna wa qina adhab al-nar. Rabbana zalamna anfusna wa ilam taghfir lana wa tarhamna nanakunanna min al-khasirin. Rabbana la tuzigh kulubana ba'da idh hadaytana wa hablana min ladunka rahma innaka anta al-wahhab. Allahumma ahshurna fi zumratil anbiya wa siddiqin wa shuhada wa salihin wa hasuna ulaika rafiqa. Allahumma rzuqna mahabbata nabiyika sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. اللهم احشرنا على محبة نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارزقنا صحبة نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم في جنة النعيم يا رب العالمين آمين آمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين جزاكم الله خير والسلام عليكم